All right, so we are moving through uh, looking at the messages of the angels connected to uh, Christ's first coming. Uh, they made four visits during uh, this time and this leading up to and immediately following his uh, appearance. And as we look at these messages, we see and we understand something of what God expects of his people. Last week we looked at uh, the exchange with Zechariah and uh, uh, the unexpected nature of it and how we need to be ready to uh, accept and, and uh, receive and experience the unexpected because our God is still very much in the business of doing miracles, of changing lives, of bringing victory and difference experiences to our lives. Today we look at the exchange between the angel and Mary. And we look at the fact that she was ready to be used by God. And that's where we need to be as well. I think we've all been there. We've had those moments in our lives, those experiences, where it's a moment of truth, you might say, a moment of decision. You know, whether it's you're a kid and you're standing there next to your first swimming pool and you got to decide, am I going to jump in or am I going to stand here on the side? And your parents and everybody else are saying, jump in, jump in, you love it. And everybody else is having fun, but you're just not sure that's for you. Or maybe it's someone you see across the room that you're attracted to and you're like, do I go over and introduce myself? Do I go over and say hi? Do I go over and ask her out? Do I go over and ask him out? You know, what steps do I take next? Do I take that risk? Maybe it's asking your boss for a raise. That's always a fun one. Yeah. And what is it that makes the difference between whether we do it or not? Well, generally speaking, I would say that what makes a difference is if we can determine whether the reward outweighs the risk. Is what I might receive better than what I could receive in the negative? You know, whether it's that raise or a friend's approval or a parent's approval, or some other reward, is it worth the risk? And when God calls us to something in our life, we, we go through that same measure. We go through that same evaluative process. Is what God is asking me, calling me to do here, worth more than what it will cost me? And we understand, of course, that Christ has called us to die to ourselves and consider the cost of building the tower of faith and life and experience. We understand, of course, that he has done more for us than we could ever do for him. We, we see that and understand that, but there's still that, that tension, that struggle over whether or not in this moment, at this time, in this experience, is it worth it? And I want to encourage us today to 
to see something beyond ourselves. To see something beyond just what we ourselves can evaluate and understand. Here at Christmas, we, Southern Baptist Life in particular, we collect funds for what we call the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Lottie Moon was a missionary to China uh, who gave her life, gave up an engagement to uh, uh, the love of her life, gave up many opportunities here uh, in the States uh, to travel over and to minister and to serve the people of China. She ultimately uh, ended up dying in Japan on her way back uh, to America. And the offering was actually created by another person we know, Annie Armstrong. Um, she created the offering to allow Lottie to be able to take a, uh, a furlough, uh, take some time off. And it became an annual thing after that that supported all of our missionaries. One other missionary who's not directly a Southern Baptist, but he is a Baptist, is a man named William Carey. He was very influential in getting the British to get involved in missions. Um, and he had to fight against a, a theology, a perspective that said that that wasn't really part of what we needed to be a, uh, a part of. And he ended up going anyway. He ended up in India uh, for quite a few years. And he spent some time in jail trying to serve and minister in that location. Carrie, as he's serving, as he's ministering there, as he's losing some of his children to disease, as his wife um, goes insane, he had a saying that got him going, that kept him going. It was simply expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. Because of who he knew God to be, and because he, of the experiences that he had witnessed, that he had been a part of, he was ready to be used by God. That wherever God led, he was ready to go. Whatever God asked him to do, he was ready to do. Why? Because he expected great things from God. And we see a similar situation to that here in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38, as the angel Gabriel interacts with a young woman named Mary. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a, to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. 
He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you that you deem it appropriate to call us to call us to things beyond ourselves. Attitudes, perspectives, assignments, all things that are bigger than us, but not bigger than you. Thank you that you give us the privilege of being blessed in such a way. And I ask you to help us to to be ready, to be used by you when those opportunities present themselves, when those circumstances arise. Help us today to learn from this exchange about how you called us, about how we might be ready to hear that call when it comes. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. So as Gabriel speaks to Mary here, he, he communicates several truths about the nature of God's call. Things that are important for us to be mindful of and, and to, to consider and to understand if we're going to understand how God might call us and how we might be ready to receive that call when it comes, how, how that might work in our lives and in our circumstances and in our situation. And the first thing that is revealed here is that when God calls us, it's by His grace that that call comes. That is, it's undeserved on our part. Whatever our standing is, whether we are a person who walks in 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 righteousness, who who does the right things, or a person who is uh, struggling or or, or not really doing the things that we know we ought to be doing. It's always by His grace that He reaches out to us. The best we can do is of little importance compared to what He does and who He is. Our most righteous expressions pale in comparison to His righteousness and justice. And as Gabriel speaks here, he says, Greetings, O favored one. In other words, greetings, you who have received, you who are experiencing in this moment God's grace. He repeats that a little bit later in verse 30 with, 
you have found favor with God. That word for favor that, 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 that's expressed there is, is a word that, that says that you have a special calling on your life. And every one of us has a special calling on our lives. Some of us are called to ministry in terms of a, a formal vocation. Others of us are called to ministry in terms of uh, an everyday experience in the jobs that we hold in the secular world. But regardless of which one you are, which position you're in, your calling is an expression of God's grace. And it's good. I've shared many times one of my favorite scenes uh, in any movie I've ever seen is from uh, the movie The Rookie. I don't know if you've seen it or not. It's a it's a baseball movie. I mean, you may not be into baseball movies, but I really like this one. And there's a scene where he's uh, the, the the main guy is is uh, he's in the minor leagues and he's gone through a rough patch, but he's finally kind of discovered who he is and what he's doing and and those sorts of things. And and he has a he has a friend whose name is Brooks. And he's standing there, and he's looking in the mirror, getting ready for the game. And Brooks walks up beside him, and, and Jimmy says to him, he says, Brooks, you know what we get to do today? Today we get to play baseball. He was living his dream. He was doing what he loved, and that thrills him. Whatever else happened that day, he got to play baseball. And that has always hit me as a minister, as a, as a pastor, as a teacher. Today I get to preach God's Word. Today I get to teach God's Word. Today I get to interact with students I love. Today I get to interact with members that I love. Today I get to live the dream. And it's my dream because God has instilled that desire and that commitment in my heart and then he has blessed me by calling me to carry out that very reality. And it's important for all of us, wherever we're at, to see where we're at as God's blessing to us. Whether it's a, a difficult time or a time of prosperity, we need to see and understand that God has placed us in that moment. And God has a purpose for us in that moment. And that should thrill us. That the God of this universe, the God who made all things, the God who sustains and holds everything in his hands, looked at you and said, this is what I want you to do today. This is who I want you to be today. We get our marching orders. We get our calling from one who's beyond our imagination from one who's bigger than our thought process can even begin to shape, we start talking about the Trinity or the nature of Jesus being both God and man and those things blow our minds. They're bigger than us. And that's just, as Job says, that's just the outskirts. That's just the, the fringe of who he is. If we stepped in any deeper, we would be overwhelmed by the knowledge of who he is. And yet that God, that big, awesome, powerful God, 
speaks to us. And he calls us. And he gifts us with the opportunities of this life to affect people's lives, to be partners with him, to see change happen, to see growth happen, to see transformation take place. So to know that it all begins with God's grace is, is to know that it's special when it comes. Secondly, he, he clarifies our confusion. Now, I want you to notice here the difference between Mary's response and Zechariah's response. Zechariah, last week, we looked at him, and, and, and basically Zechariah's response was, how do I know you're telling me the truth? Okay? Okay, I hear what you're saying. It's pretty amazing. Can I really trust it? And the angel said what? Since you're not trusting God, you're going to have to learn to trust God by being quiet for the next uh, nine months. Try, try and do your work as a priest without being able to speak a word. You're going to have to trust me, and you'll learn to grow in that trust. Mary asks a question, but her question doesn't rise out of disbelief. Her question rises out of confusion. Wait a minute. I, I know how babies are made. And I ain't done that. How, how is this even possible? How, how, does, how does this take place? I mean, I'm ready for it if that's what you want to do, God. But how? And he gives her an answer, a, a patient answer. And, and I'm always amazed at how patient God is because... I have to say, if if I'm in his shoes, I'm like, because I'm God, that's why. Get over yourself. But he gives her the full explanation. He he identifies to her what's going to take place and how it's going to play out. And he does the same for us. He calls us to his purposes and his plans, and sometimes we look at that, I don't understand how that's going to work, God. I don't understand how that's going to fall into place. I don't understand how I'm going to get by on that salary, or I don't understand how I'm going to, to, to work in, in this environment, or, you know, I, I just don't get it. And as we step out in faith and as we respond, he clarifies our confusion. He gives us clarity to those things that constrain us. And then third, when God calls us, he empowers us for the task. I think the angel's statement here is, is deeper than we sometimes assume. When God says how he's going to do it, he says what? He says the power of of the Holy Spirit is going to come over you. That's always God's answer. That's always God's response. How am I going to do this, God? This, this task is bigger than me. This role is more than I'm capable of. 
whether it's talking to a loved one who doesn't know Christ or praying through a, a hard time or a circumstance that you're dealing with that, that's more than you can handle. How can I do that, God? I'm with you. The Spirit empowers you. I'm ashamed of myself sometimes at how faithless I am. Knowing that I have the Spirit of the living God dwelling within me. Why do I get so afraid? Why do I get so overwhelmed? Why do I lean on my own? capabilities, my own intellect or my own analytical skills or whatever it may be. Why would I settle for my ineptness when I see his greatness? And yet I do. It's always good to be reminded that the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is available to you and me to do the task that God has given us. He has empowered us for all that we will encounter. So God's role, according to Gabriel, here is what? To call, to clarify, to equip. That's God's task in terms of our lives and our experiences. But what is, what is our role? Our role is simply two words. Be ready. Be ready. And how do we become ready? How, do, how does that take place? How does that manifest itself? in our lives, in our expressions, in our attitudes. The first thing we need to do is we need to be teachable. What does he say there in verse 37? Nothing will be impossible with God. He doesn't say most things or many things. He didn't say some things. He says, nothing is impossible with God. And just to hammer it home, he gives her an example that's right there in her life. Your cousin, your relative, Elizabeth, who's really old, is already six months pregnant, Mary. If I did that, I can do this. God wants us to see. That's the reason we have so many narratives in the Bible. If I did that, I could do this. Whatever it is he's called you to, whatever he's placed on your life, he wants you to learn. He wants you to be teachable. We've all had those experiences. Maybe it's been ourselves. Maybe it's been someone we're trying to teach who just 
won't, not that they can't, they won't get it. You give them illustration after illustration after illustration. You give an example. You give evidence. You give facts. And they still won't accept what's placed in front of them. I think of the flat earthers out there. I mean, seriously. And, and I love watching some of their videos where they're trying to prove that the earth is flat and they end up proving that it's actually round and they say, well, we got to change the parameters or something. I saw one guy, they, they did this with the, with the scope and they, where the, it shoots out straight, and they said, this should be lower than that if the Earth's round, and sure enough, it was lower than that, and they were like, well, you know, we got to change the parameters or something. I mean, it's crazy what they're saying out there. I, I saw one guy the other day, he said, I don't know where he got this, but he said, we all have our own moon. He was trying to prove that the Earth is flat, and the guy was pointing out the moon and what it does and all those other things, the, the, you know, the shadows of the, the Earth and all that on it. And, and he was like, well, we all got our own moon, so we all see it differently. I mean, that is being unteachable. <laughs> okay? But you know, we're, we're so much like that when it comes to God and what He's doing. He shows us time and time again His power, His majesty, His abilities, whether it's in His Word or in our lives, healing people, changing people's whole demeanor and mindset and perspective, turning them from an ungodly, uh, hateful person to someone who's loving and precious and who loves others. We've seen it over and over and over again. We've seen that power manifested in our life. And yet, when he calls us to do something, we say, I don't know if you can handle this one, God. We've got to be teachable. We've got to dig into his word and, and look at our lives and talk to fellow believers and see what God can do. Secondly, we've got to be available. I love Mary's response there in verse 38. Let it be to me according to your word. Whatever you say, let it happen. And that's such a big statement. That that's such a an invitation to God. Whatever you say, and think of the things that God has said. Let there be light, and there was light. Lazarus, come forth. Over and over and over again, God says things that we're like, wow. And they happen. And so when you utter the words, whatever it is you say, let it be that way to me. That's an invitation. That's a blank check. 
It's a blank check to someone who has unlimited reserves in their bank account. God calls us to great things. Are we available? When he does so, do we expect great things from God? Are we willing to see it when he moves? And then third, we need humility. She says what? I am a servant of the Lord. Turn verse 38. I'm just a simple woman engaged to a simple man living in Backwater Galilee. There was no more podunk town in Israel than Nazareth. Remember the question the disciple asked? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? That's where she's living. That's her experience. But when God visits you, when God calls you, if you are teachable, if you're available, and if you're humble, you are ready to do whatever it is he asks. We have two tendencies when it comes to Mary. We either overemphasize her, making her a, the mediatrix or co-redeemer, as some traditions have tried to turn her into. Or we underemphasize her. She was, she was there. She was the vessel who carried Jesus. But she was a godly woman given a big task. And as the angel speaks to her, she's standing on that ledge like that little kid looking at the pool do I jump in? Because there's some risk here. What are my neighbors going to think? For the next nine months and beyond, for the rest of my life, I'm going to have that label. Oh, you know, she got pregnant out of wedlock. What's Joseph going to think? This man I'm betrothed to. This man I've committed to. You know, she knew the law. She knew that under law, he could have her put away. And that even in some circles, he could have her stoned. This wasn't just, you're going to have a baby. Oh, joy, you're going to have a baby. This was, you're going to be pregnant, and with that pregnancy comes shame in your culture. Even though there's no cause for shame. In some ways, though not in anywhere near as big, in some ways, 
She is kind of a forerunner of Jesus here. She's carrying a shame she does not deserve so that others may find life and blessing. And she could have said, I don't want this. I didn't ask for this. Why would you do this to me? I've never done anything to deserve such a punishment. She could have taken that perspective. Think about it. What he's asking her to do is a life of hardship in many ways. Not to mention the stuff she doesn't know, like Christ coming to die. How many times in our own life have we viewed God's call as a punishment instead of a blessing? How many times have we turned his words of grace and clarity and power into words of a curse and punishment and judgment? Why am I having to put up with this? Why am I in this situation, this circumstance? You're there because God wanted to use you for his greatness and his glory. Are you humble enough to see it? Are you available enough to do it? Are you teachable enough to learn that truth? God calls all of us to great things every single day. To see a person who was lost become found, a person who was an enemy become a child of God, there's nothing greater. To get to partner with God in any number of different activities, there's nothing greater. Are we available? Are we responding to his call and his challenge? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for each person here. I thank you for the call that you placed on those who are yours. And I pray, God, that Today, you would help us to see and to understand the call you've given to each one of us on an individual basis. God, I especially want to pray for anyone here who might not have a relationship with you and hasn't responded to that first call, that call to submission, that call to surrender their life to you and to experience salvation. God, to those of us who have experienced that life-giving reality, I pray that you help us to be available and teachable, humble enough 
to see the power you provide, the grace you've given, the life and opportunity you've offered. Use this time for your purposes. Help us to be responsive to your leadership. It's in Christ's name I pray.